Okay, title of my message this morning is Hindrances to Finishing Strong. Hindrances to Finishing Strong. You know, a lot of times we talk about our kids. They go off to camp, and while they're at camp, they make some great, important decisions. And uh, they, they, then they come back, and uh, they need all the support they can to follow through with those decisions. That's just like us, us as adults. Uh, one time or another, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, pricked our heart, spoke to us, whether it was for salvation, showed us the gospel, or whether it's for something else, an uh, area of our life. And uh, perhaps we repented, surrendered, made promises to God. Now, how do we fulfill that? And that's the question. Why do some Christians follow through and other Christians don't? I remember when I was at Tennessee Temple, there were uh, about 10,000 students there, and I, I remember a lot of guys going for their degrees. But during the first year, you saw so many of them go by the wayside. And you ask yourself, why didn't they continue on? Why did they stop? And uh, I want to talk about that this morning. I believe God wants us to follow through with what he's doing. Uh, he's worked in our heart. He's worked in our life. Uh, we've had an encounter, whether it's the word of God and his spirit speaking to us and showing us his will, whatever it might be. He wants us to fulfill the purpose that he has for our life and not to come up short. Amen. I, I don't want to stand before God one day. Uh, I'm short, <laughs> but I don't want to come up short in my service and love and living for God. Uh, I want that to be able to burn up in a sense of burning out for God. Amen. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Just stay at it. Whatever decision you make, stay at it. Don't give up on it. Just keep on going. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is one of my favorite verses. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be unmovable. I mean, don't be moving, you know, be unmovable. Stand the ground of your decision. It's all out for God. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God's got something there at the end for those who stay faithful all the way to the end. 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom, Paul, thou hast learned them. In other words, he said, listen, I've mentored you. Now you keep those things that I've put into your heart and into your life, and you continue it, and you just keep on going. Don't let up. It states in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, for I'm now ready to be offered. He's getting ready to have his head chopped off. The time of my departure is at hand. Notice his testimony. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I brought to conclusion the will of God for my life. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day when we stand before him. And not to me only, but unto all them also that what love is appearing. Over in John it talks about we don't want to be ashamed at his appearing. <laughs> and I don't want to be that way. Bob Jones Sr., I've used this quote quite often, and it's true. The test of character is what it takes to stop you. Amen? Some people just give up like that. A lot of other people, they persevere. They just keep going through it. So why don't we finish or fulfill a good decision? Maybe I'm here at church and God spoke to my heart. I said, I, I need, I'm going to do this. Why don't I continue and fulfill that? Well, here's some hindrances. Number one, it's possible you're not a true believer. It'd be hard to finish if you're not a true believer, right? First of all, you, your spirit's not been made alive. You're still dead in trespasses and sins if you're not saved. And then you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you to help lead you, guide you according to Scripture. Then you have the Word of God that will help you in your walk and your faith. You don't have the understanding. You're still natural. And the things of God will remain foolishness to you. And then you don't have intercessors. You know, we have the Spirit of God that intercedes for us. We have Christ who intercedes for us. And you need those things in your life to keep on going for His honor and his glory. So perhaps you're just not saved, and that's why you keep stopping. Judas is a great example of that, isn't he? There's old Judas. He come from a godly home, a godly tribe. He went to the temple. He did ministry. He sang. He had a Bible of scriptures that they had at that time. He was the treasurer of the twelve for the Lord. He heard the true Word, speaking the true word, <laughs> he saw the miracles, he saw all of those things. But Judas, he loved the popularity and the prestige, but he was not fully committed to Christ. You see, he had an outward form, perhaps maybe giving a mental assent, but not in his heart. And <clears throat> there's a real difference there, isn't there? Billy Graham said this a long time ago. There are more lost church members than we'd wish to know. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. You know, even a crowd this size here, I'm sure there are people here, truly are not even saved. And they might even think they're saved. Because they did something. Rather than believing in somebody else who accomplished it all. The Lord said this, Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out uh, devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And when I, and then will I profess unto them, I never, you were never a part of me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. He said, I don't know who you are. What an awful statement. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. 
Now get this, by which also ye are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. You believed in something different than the finished work of Christ. And if you believe in something different than the finished work of Christ, you're not saved. And that's what Paul simply is saying to them. So this morning, one of the hindrances of people not finishing is they're just not saved. So make sure you're saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, very simple. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. For with the heart, not just a mental assent, but it's for you. With the heart man believeth in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Another hindrance, by the way, is we want the results to go along with our wants and our way. You see, too often what we do, we tell God what we want and what he needs to do, and in a sense, that's trying to control God. Huh? And we need to get away with that. That's just being selfish and self-centered. The Bible says for us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, yeah, it is, unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present yourself, here I am, God, I'm all yours. Whatever you want, I'm yours. He says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You see, our life, when you get saved, is not just about us. Hello? It's about him and his way. Philippians 2, 13 tells us, how it works, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of our way, no, his good pleasure. He has a purpose for you. He has a life that he wants you to live that will bring him honor and glory. And I found out when you're bringing him honor and glory, he also blesses you for doing that. We reap what we sow, do we not? And by the way, let me just say something. When you get saved, you don't own yourself. Hello? You don't own your life. You owe it to God. Why? He owns you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Hello? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God says, now that I've washed away all of your sins, forgiven it, I've guaranteed you to go to heaven. I'm coming to live inside of you. I want you to know something. Now you're mine. <laughs> you don't own your life anymore. I own your life. I own everything about you. And through that, you're going to have to trust me. And by the way, when you trust God, you can't go wrong. <laughs> Another hindrance is our decision is based merely upon emotions and feelings. You know, you can get involved in a lot of hype and do a lot of things. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with feelings, emotions, nothing wrong with tears. They're good. But it has to be the truth of the Word of God that moves you for it to be real and for it to stick. Did you just hear what I said? <laughs> you see, it takes the Word to do that. That's why the Ephesians, they wept about Paul. It states in Acts chapter 20, verse 37. And they all wept sore. They loved Paul and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake. You see, that's what won them. It's the truth of the word of God. And for us, that's what should be a part of our life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. D.L. Moody, one day, he was going down the street. This old drunk man stopped him, said, Mr. Moody, he said, yes. He said, Mr. Moody, he says, you're the one who saved me. And Mr. Moody said, well, I, I must have because God couldn't do anything like this. <laughs> Not true. Some people think they're saved because they walked an aisle. Some people think they're saved because they said a prayer. Now, you might have been saved saving a prayer, saying a prayer. I understand that, but a lot of people say, well, I said the prayer. When does faith in the gospel ever come in? Amen? That's the key. Another hint today, when we make a decision for the wrong reasons. People make decisions for funny things. They'll do it for a parent, a mate, a friend, a leader, in order to get them off their back. And I've heard it over and over. I've had people, they make a decision, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm this, and that, and I'm going to, and all that is, I'm, I'm, I'm. They're using the strength of their own flesh, and that's a, a thing for failure, is it not? You, you can't do it. Without him, you can do nothing. <laughs> and I think that's pretty simple. As a matter of fact, when you say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, because I made this decision, that's called pride. And you better just say, well, you know, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to just to be able to live for him. I mean, it would be very simple to do it that way. But God has to move on us for it to be real. Another Another hindrance is we, neg we neglect to remind ourselves of our decision. We neglect to remind ourselves of the decision we make. You see, too often we kind of get busy. Because we get busy, our decision is out of sight, so out of mind. We have to keep that vision of our decision before us at all times. A lot of you like the Rocky shows, some of us older people. Rocky IV, <laughs> when Apollo was killed by the Russian, Rocky went to Russia to fight that Russian. And he put out a picture of Apollo there and that Russian on his mirror where he trained. Just in order to remind him he would not forget the reason he was there. A lot of coaches, what they'll do, 
they'll take press clippings of what people have said about them and put them on the board or the door so that when the players see that, they say, I'm going to make that wrong because they say things about them, like Deion Sanders here, before they played their first game. They had criticized him, criticized him, criticized him, and they say, what do you say about this, Deion? I know he put stuff on those walls. Uh, if you know prime time, that's what he's called. If you know Deion Sanders, you, you know that's true. He just said, we're here. <laughs> and that motivates the players to play harder because it's reminding them of the purpose of why they need to play hard. And by the way, we have the Lord's Supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Why do we do that in remembrance of him? Because we're human and we have the old nature with us. We forget him. So God says, I'm setting this up so you won't forget me. So it's good to have our decisions that we make in front of us to keep guiding us. Another hindrance is we don't prepare for coming attacks. That's why a lot of people fail. Many think, so, well, I made a good godly decision. I got right with God. Now everything's going to be okay. Let me just say wrong. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, do we not? And any truth you get inside of you, don't miss this, the devil sends his birds to pluck that seed that was sown in your heart. And he's good at it. Just understand, we will be viciously, relentlessly attacked by the devil any time we make a decision, we want to go forward with God. The devil hates us. The world is anti-God. And our flesh has developed our own desires. And you'll fight those every day of your life. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. James says it like this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. You've got to fight him, but he will flee from you. Then Paul says it like this, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan, what did he do? Hindered us. He will throw roadblocks in your way, try to keep you from going forward for the decision you made for God. Just write that down. Another hindrance is when we have little involvement in our church and devotions. You know, we have what we call spiritual batteries, and they need to be charged every now and then. With our country going EV, you're going to learn that real well real soon. <laughs> Sometimes your battery posts get corruption, you know, that gook stuff on it. And you have to clean all of that off for it to, to make connection once again. Let me say to them, you can't have victory in your life if you're just a hit-and-miss Christian. It's not going to work. You will be on the sidelines before it's over. We sing the old song, Turn Your Eyes Up on Jesus, 
and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. But likewise, turn your eyes off of Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely strong. Amen? Now that was better than your amen. Now, just stick to the word of God in church and in the private life. Acts 20, 32 says this here. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to what? The word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. He said, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm giving something that won't let you down. It'll continue to work in your life, and it will build you up. It's called the Word of God. And how often are we in the Word of God? Another hindrance is we get pressure from those outside of our decision. You know, they weren't there when we made our decision with God to live for God. You know, and we come back, we're excited about it, and they say, oh, don't get too religious here, right? I've told you before, but I, I used to work with you, and we used to take our kids to the wild. We come home, kids made great, important decisions. We had to work like a dog to fight the parents when we brought them home because they weren't living godly like they should, and it's a battle. You make a decision, you get all excited about it, but many of your friends, I promise you, they will try to pull you down from those decisions because now your life convicts them. Uh, your life convicts them now because now you want to live for God. They know they're not living for God. And so there's a guilt, a condemnation somewhat that's coming to their life there, and they'll try to pull you down. However, Acts 5.29 says this here. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Hello? Just do what God wants you to do. Proverbs 29.25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Regardless of what anybody else is saying, just do it God's way. Trust God there. He'll be there to support you, I promise. He's your main comfort. It's good to have other people, but he's your main. Paul said this at the end of his life, 2 Timothy 4, 16. At my first answer, standing before Rome, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Even if people don't want you to live for God, God wants you to, and he'll be there for you to help you. I know that's true from personal life. Another hindrance is the allurements, allurements, temptations, 
will be stronger. The moment you make a decision for God, everything comes against you at once. 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas had worked with Paul. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and what did it do to him? And is departed. He loved the world. He was head over hills in love with the world. And just remember, the world and lost people and some Christians, they don't want God too much in their life whatsoever. And when you say no to your flesh, that your flesh wants to do something, you know what happens, don't you? <laughs> Katie Barton, it's unbelievable. That flesh fights back. Is that not true? I can say the word diet. I'm ready to eat a cheeseburger. It's amazing your flesh, isn't it? I mean, I just get hungry saying a word. So I'm not going to let that control me. <laughs> I'm going to let my flesh control me, right? I, I'll give you a challenge. I'll show you how strong flesh is. Say tomorrow, you're home all day, but you have no internet and no cell phone. You tell me how happy you are. Our power went off here one time, and TV went out, computers off, and I'm sitting there just me and Carol. I'm looking around. I said, this is awful. I need my... Uh, isn't that true? I mean, you go to people's houses, and all the kids are on the phones, sending text messages, pictures. I mean, they're doing everything. Boy, you take that out, but that old flesh raises up. It's the same thing when you make a decision for God. Your flesh rises up, and it will try to defeat you, that's for sure. Then, when our decision goes from devotion to duty, we'll not fulfill it. You know, uh, at the beginning, we love God. God, whatever you want, we're excited just at trying to please God. Do you remember that? But then something goes on. We go from Christ, our first love, to other things that are more important. We go from a close relationship with him, we begin to have a distance, far distance relationship with him. We go with our whole heart, I want to please you, God, to do I have to do this now? We go from enjoyment to things of God to becoming guilt-ridden because we failed the Lord and our conscience convicts us. Now our life for Christ is a burden. Some people say, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian and to live for God. You need to be slapped upside your head. You know that. <laughs> we do all kinds of other things that are tough. Is that not true? I say kids in bands, what they go through to be a part of that band, they put that much energy in the Word of God, in their life with God, they'd be super saints. Isn't that true? Am I right? <laughs> Amen. The only thing that keeps us going is our love for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. I'm about done. Don't get nervous. Colts will play. <laughs> for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ constraineth. And I've done a study, preached a message on that, but constraineth means it moves us. It uh, 
gives us a pitch fever. It energizes us. It moves us from here to here. The love of Christ does these things to us, and it's amazing. And my last point is this here. When our decision is determined, we're going to fail, is determined because other people keep a similar decision. Uh, well, if they keep their decision, I'll keep my decision. You might be in a revival service, a lot of people made a lot of good decisions. A little bit later on, you see some of them not keeping it. That's discouraging. You say, well, I'm not going to keep mine. They're not keeping theirs. And see, what you're saying is your decision is conditional. And if you're relying on them to fulfill their, their decision, to make your decision right, it wasn't your decision. <laughs> and you're allowing them to control your life. You can't do that. You need to be like a Joseph. Is that Potiphar's wife kept coming at her to lie in bed with her. He said, how can I do this and sin against my God? He had some character, some backbone. Or like a Daniel. He wouldn't eat the king's meat and defile his body. He had his Jewish faith. It says Daniel purposed in his heart. And you have to do that inside of your heart. Christ is our standard. And he'll be there for us. We sing the old song from time to time. I've decided to follow Jesus. And one of the verses goes something like this. I think I'm right. Though no one join me, still I will follow. My decision with, is between me and God, not me and everybody else. Now, I'm glad people are happy about my decision. I'm glad there are some spiritual believers that try to help me to continue going on in my decision. But regardless, if they do nothing, I made my decision with God. And I follow him. I don't, it doesn't matter if they close the church. Everybody stops serving Christ. That gives me no reason to stop serving Christ. Amen? That's good preaching right there. And here's the reason why. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us believers. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore, I always like this verse, the terror of the Lord. You know, we're going to stand before him and give an account of our lives, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. I think it's going to be hot for a lot of believers. Now, you'll be saved if you're a believer, but it's not going to be happy, 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 happy time for many people. Because they've squandered, they've wasted the life, the new life Christ has given them by saving them. And it's time for us to step up and stop being babies and being carnal and stand up and live for God boldly, unashamedly, and give Him all the glory. Amen? Amen. My last verse. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. I fought a good fight. I've, that's the one. Here's the one I want. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise. 
That means you have to discipline yourself. You've always done it this way. Now, God said, I've saved you. Put off the old and put on the new now. And in order to put on that new, you have to exercise yourself. You have to discipline your life so that you can fulfill what I have for you. Work at it. It doesn't just come by poof, magical dust. Amen? I didn't see the rest of that verse. You're not going to show me. Okay. There. For bodily exercise, profit a little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. The new life God gave you will bless you in this life, but also in eternity. Amen? And I believe with all my heart, how we live here will determine the positions we have in eternity. I don't want to be a cement guy, cement finisher when I get to heaven. I'll probably have cement and he'll hand me a trial and it'll be eternity long. <laughs> I, I want to be able to maybe have a ride, <laughs> you know, or something. I, I, I want to be able to serve him, to be able to go from planet to planet and serve in places only God can imagine. Huh? How about you? It's waiting for us, and I want to be a part of that. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that regardless of the obstacles, the hindrances that's thrown at us, we can live this Christian life. Yes, sometimes it's tough, God, but your grace is more than sufficient. Your strength is more than it's ever needed. You're always there by your presence. And so God, as Christians, as I'm sure most of us here, we've made good godly decisions at some time in our life. And for some reason, we've been kind of going by the wayside a little bit. God, refresh our vision. Open our minds to what could be once again. And may we just run toward it in faith, and trust in you. Now we'll need help because we're human. But God, you promised to be there. You say, cast all your care upon you because you care for us, and we trust you. May this sink into people's hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.